Welcome to episode 87 of the Half Point for Podcast. I am your host, Evan Riggs, joined for the first time in a few weeks, the great return of producer Johnny Pham, but unfortunately can't can't seem to get the whole crew together. Uh, no Dalton today. Uh, everything is fine, but just various things going on uh, with Dalton right now that he has to tend to. So it's Johnny and I tonight. Johnny, how are you doing on this fine Wednesday night on the eve of just another electric Thursday night football game coming up tomorrow? Oh, man, it's, it's good to be back. It's been a couple weeks. Uh, Sorry I haven't been here, but uh, is this the first pod like Dalton's missed? I feel like you always say, like, the intro is like, as always, Dalton Willie, and then I think this is the first time he hasn't been here for a pod. It's, it's, I, I think maybe last year or the first year, you and I did like mm. a re ranking the top 24. That's right. And that's the only pod I remember Dalton not being here for. I mean, not, not exactly Cal Ripken, but like <laughs> a, a pretty impressive attendance record. None, nonetheless, but. You know, we've got a lot to get to, Johnny, and a shorter time maybe than usual to get to it tonight. So we'll jump right in. We will eventually get to the topic that is in the title of the show, Regression Candidates, both positive and negative. I've got two of each that I'll run by you and, and break down. But I thought it would be fun just to take a look back at some preseason calls and more specifically preseason prop bets and and bets in general i just picked out a handful and we're just gonna do on a scale of one to ten with one being i this this bet is completely screwed i'm sol and 10 being i feel completely confident in my answer before the season looking back at a handful of these and what more appropriate place to start than somewhere where i think we are all actually going to end up correct antonio gibson his preseason rushing prop was 825 and a half rushing yards. All three of us, uh, obviously including you and I, take the under on that. He is on pace for 607 yards. He was the clear backup with the return of Brian Robinson, which I think says something. It's the guy's first game back, and not only first game back, first game period mm-hmm. in the NFL, and he's already – usurped Antonio Gibson scale of one to 10 Johnny how confident are you feeling in Antonio Gibson going under like you predicted a couple months ago oh a 10 I wish it was kind of like a a live option because I would probably double down on that under because (laughs) it's it's looking like a lock so I'm glad put some skin to the game I don't know if you guys actually like placed a bet yet because I wasn't sure if Gambling was legal, legalized yet? So. Not quite yet. Either. I placed this. That I feel good about that, but the wow. rest, I don't feel great about. Uh, see, unfortunately, you can't like live bet this like a game. <laughs> what you could yeah. do is you might be able to. I don't know if you can find like updated yardage props throughout the season. I've never really checked. <sighs> I haven't looked. I haven't seeked it out. I guess. So I would be curious if there were a prop, I'd be curious what it, what it would be at. He's on pace for 607 rushing yards mm-hmm. right now. And that is even with him having the great start the first game or two, having the backfield to himself for more than a month. And the last two weeks, he has eight total carries, 41 total yards, and 35 of those came last week with Brian Robinson. I think he had three carries for six yards or three carries for five yards. Wasn't pretty. The week before Robinson came back. I still think Gibson, just to 
go back to just a pure fantasy perspective for a minute, I still think he's a talented player, but it just seems like he has lost the trust of that coaching staff, and they were ready to do this from the get-go. I mean, he was returning kicks in preseason, and I think myself and a lot of people probably thought with the way he started and just Robinson coming back and not knowing what he'd look like, well, maybe it'll be a 50-50 split. You know, maybe Gibson will still be the 60 to the 40, and maybe it'll still be that. But for me personally, the first sleeper alert that I got in the week leading up to Robinson's return was, well, now Antonio Gibson can go back to returning kicks this week. It's like, he's screwed. Oh, he's screwed. I don't love to hear he's, that. He, he's, he's clearly in the backup role. So if you didn't get off Antonio Gibson before this and redraft leagues, I think he's just a handcuff that you're hoping for injury and you're a heartless person if you hope for injury to a guy who's come up from a gunshot wound so you're just in a bad spot all the way around with antonio gibson right now i'm i'm with you i'm a 10 on on the under here yep yeah I, you have to be pretty cruel to hope for injury for on on, on robinson like that especially how what happened but yeah so tyree kill this was a contentious conversation between Dalton and I and the three of us mm-hmm. earlier in the season. And the the Tyree Kill versus A.J. Brown bet has a long way to go, and it's fairly close right now that Tyree Kill does have the edge there. But the bet that we made that I said yes and you and Dalton said no is will Tyree Kill be a top nine receiver? And – these two things are wild when you like when said in the same sentence Tyreek Hill is both on pace to break Calvin Johnson's receiving yardage record and averaging 117 yards per game and also still somehow only the wide receiver four yeah you that's he, absurd you would you would think he'd be higher um than that but he doesn't have the touchdowns to, to quite back up that yardage. I mean, why is your four? It's still great. But that's like the makings of a number one receiver season. And if he were to continue that, that would be what, he, what he'd finish, I'm sure. But let's just stick with top nine receiver. Johnny, scale of one to ten, how confident are you that Tyreek Hill could be a top nine receiver? Uh, I mean, I just didn't expect. Okay. I knew at KC he had a bunch of yak. Mm-hmm. But it just kind of feels this year he just is just running loose and the defense just can't tackle him. Mm-hmm. And my confidence level of him being a top nine wide receiver at the beginning of the year was was a one. I didn't think he was going to be top nine. Wow, now, he's down at a one. At, at the beginning of the year. No, I know. Yeah, but now I I would say it's – I think there's like a I, I put him at like a seven. I, I think there's a good chance there. He just needs a couple more touchdowns. But then, like, like you said, him being on pace and him only being wide receiver four just shows you how great the wide receiver class is this year for mm-hmm. for fantasy wise. I mean, the the difference, really, the biggest difference right now, obviously the yards, but. It's the volume for Tyreek Hill. He's at yeah. 8.3 receptions per game, which is a, basically a full two receptions higher than his previous career high, which was last year at 6.5 target, 6.5 receptions per game. So he is just at an all-time high 
volume wise right now and that's partially because as great as Jalen Waddle is he's not quite Travis Kelsey so he's mm-hmm. not gonna quite command that Travis Kelsey volume and I, I made this argument before the season it's true so far we'll, we'll see if it continues but the Mike McDaniel way in San Francisco was get Debo the ball by any means necessary and that's that that's been the solution so far for Miami and he's been quarterback proof. They've had three quarterbacks, like two has been better than expected, but banged up. And even with Skylar Thompson briefly and Teddy Bridgewater briefly, he's still, he just had like 170 yards (laughs) the other day. (coughs) He's been quarterback proof and they have been peppering him with targets. And he's just one of the best players and probably the toughest player the game plan for. And the NFL, I'm, I'm with you. I'm going with an eight right now the only reason i have a little bit of hesitancy is if the touchdowns don't come around and the yardage does drop off drop off which it will a little bit he will at least be playing with fire as far as top nine but i i think you're feeling pretty good if you bought the dip on tyree kill and took him in round two right now i'll say that much yeah i I was looking at his targets he's only had two games this year where he's had less than double digit targets he's just getting such a high target share in that offense and And, and and part of that outside of no kelsey is the worse the quarterback is sometimes the more they zero in on one guy and i think that's that's part of it too he's not playing with as good of a quarterback so maybe the quality of target not as high as some years in kc but he's just getting the ball more yeah, because uh, I just looked. He only has, like, two touchdowns on the year, and I think mm. that was all in one game. Yep. So hopefully those touchdowns kind of come across and, eventually. But and, and, it, and it was the Ravens game where at least one of them was he just ran a straight line and nobody else went with them because the Ravens right. were a catastrophe yep. that week. <laughs> that is correct. Okay. Uh, from one of the elites to one of the head scratchers in, in Chase Claypool, head scratcher kind of not – relevant but not quite irrelevant not not sure what to categorize claypool right now his over under for receiving touchdowns was four and a half we all took the over i think the logic is sound it's like a guy that big who had double digit touchdowns as a rookie all it takes is one blow up game of multiple touchdowns and he's probably going to hit that number yep he's one touchdown right now he just had that one touchdown last week it had been rough uh, until then, but he's had two back-to-back games of you'd be happy or at least okay if you started him. He was five for 50 two weeks ago, and then he was up over 100 total yards and had a touchdown last week. I'm still – just with how bad the quarterback situation is, regardless of who it is, like Kenny Pickett is better than Trubisky, but it's still not great. The O-line's bad. The play calling's bad. The offense all around is just bad despite the talent. Pickens is very good. Deontay Johnson, we know, is very good. I'm giving this like a four on, on the confidence meter. Like, he still is, like, it is not a high number. If he has a game with multiple touchdowns, which he can do, he can still hit it. But it's just very hard to believe in anything in this Steelers offense. And especially once you start getting down to their third fourth best player on this like fifth i I don't know like it it, once you get past deontay johnson and and Najee harris it's kind of complicated to parse out pickens uh um pat firemuth and and chase claypool yeah i i agree with you like 
we just all thought this was a layup, a lock at four and a half since he had multiple last year or double digits last year, and it only being four and a half. Two years but, ago, yeah. Yeah, two years ago, but I guess like Vegas just knew that the Steelers' offense was just going to be a dumpster fire. Mm-hmm. And I, my confidence level is like a five. I, I think it's truly a 50-50 of if he can get a two-touchdown game, then that will make, make it a little more easier to hit the over. But I, I don't feel great about it. I don't love it now as much as I, as we all did uh, like six weeks ago. And, you know, the sad thing is this is receiving touchdowns. So we yeah. can't we, we can't even hope for like, well – the running game sucks. Najee kind of isn't that good. Their O line is terrible. Maybe we could get a Chase Claypool jet sweeper end around the red zone and score a touchdown, which he's done before. That doesn't yeah. even help us in, in this scenario. So it's all on the quarterback and and him as a pass catcher. So yep. that is a stressful proposition. Uh, George Kittle. I this was one I struggled with mightily. Uh, took the under just because I assumed George Kittle would miss time. Lo and behold. He missed the first two games of the season. His over-under for receiving yards was 800 and a half. I was on the under. Johnny on the over. Johnny, how are you feeling uh, through six weeks on, on this Kittle line? He's averaging 45 and a half receiving yards per game. That's the least since his rookie year. But if he stays healthy, he's still looking at around a 680-yard pace. And I would think... That is, he is going to have an explosion game that picks it up. So it's going to be close. How are you feeling here? Yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be close. Not great that he missed the first two weeks. And mm-hmm. just the Niners offense and team as a whole, just, they just don't look like themselves. Um, Kittle's not getting targeted that much. They just want to get Debo the ball and Brandon Ayuk. And I, I don't think Kittle's kind of like a – a primary focus for him besides like blocking. Uh, I I would put this at like a four, uh, with confidence level. I I don't feel great about it, but I I don't see where, where and when the explosion game might happen with mm-hmm. with Garoppolo. But it, it just seems like the last four games he's played, he just is. It's like a preseason game for him. Like the last four games, where he's just doing the motion, just catching like four yard slants or. Four yard outs and that that's about it. And I don't love don't love it right now. I think you hit on one of the issues with, with Kittle right now is not only just him not being like the top guy, it's that they're spreading it around so much that even if he is one of the top two or three weapons, he's just not getting peppered with targets like he like he has in years past. You're wondering where the explosion game could come though. It could be this week against the Chiefs, who have not been great at defending tight ends this season. Um, it's funny. You took the over, and I took the under. I'm feeling slightly better about this than you. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go with a six. And what gives me some optimism, I mentioned the receiving yards per game. It's the least since his rookie year. It's even like quite a bit lower than last year which means all, all I really need is a couple of the vintage George Kittle games. And even if the frustrating weeks, like, but like you said, about, it's a vintage. It's kind of, yeah. Hard. Like v- vintage as in like last year, it, it's not, <laughs> it's not like it had been most, like he, he had some awesome games last year. Mm-hmm. The problem was health. And I still think health is the biggest obstacle 
and hitting that number because he's going to be inconsistent, but I think he's going to have blow-up games that that up the yardage pace. It, it's just can he actually play like 15, 14 to 15 games, which would mean missing only one or or no more games going forward. But I think this could be a blow-up spot for him this week, so we may both feel a lot differently a week from now. We'll see. <laughs> Lamar Jackson, last one. Uh, his over-under for passing yards was 3,500 and a half. He is on pace for just over 3,600 if he were to play a full 17. I believe I actually forgot to write this down, but I think we all took the under on this. I'm going to go look this up while you just give give me your confidence on on that line as a whole and let me actually go pull what, what we predicted here. Yeah, I don't remember what side I predicted, but I, I think we did the under. I might have done the over. I have no clue, but with it being 3,500 passing yards, I I feel my confidence level is at a seven with it hitting. Like the the line just feels like he's on pace for it and he's just gonna have I think last week didn't help him a whole lot. He had like two hundred yards, he really struggled. But I feel like that's just Lamar Jackson. He struggles for a game or two and the next game he'll he'll have like four hundred passing yards just to kind of silence the doubters and just kind of remind us that he, he can still throw and he's just not a running quarterback. Do you, do you know what our our picks were? Yeah, we we were all on the under on that, okay. which makes sense because that that's why I put it on here. Um, I I'm with you. I I'm I'm like I'm at like an eight. It's not been the smoothest sailing. You mentioned he's been a little bit up and down. Bateman has been banged up. They still don't have a wide receiver to the speak of outside of the Mark occasional. Andrews uh yeah yeah uh, yeah outside of the injuries like an actual like re- number two wide receiver mm-hmm. uh you have the occasional Devin Duvernay flash and that's really the extent of it you have like Demarcus Robinson catching three passes every now and then and we know from experience if that's the guy you're counting on <laughs> you're not feeling great about that I, this would be a career high for for Lamar in passing yards I think that's why we all just took took the under the one thing to be a little concerned about is maybe as the season progresses, the rushing game, not with Lamar because Lamar has been great as a rusher, but maybe J.K. Dobbins gets healthier. Gus Edwards comes back as a, and is effective. That would be the counter argument to this is that the running game is going to eventually show itself more and they'll be able to lean on that. And I mean, they're three and three, so they can't love what's happened right right now but i just think he's already off to a good enough start and i just still see more more room in in this passing game for improvement yardage wise i'm gonna take the over and that would make lamar one of the most valuable players in in fantasy this year because he's probably going to be a top two quarterback if he hits that number yeah i i agree if if he does hit that number he's quarterback two maybe quarterback one depending on how the rest of the year goes but mm-hmm. to start three and three they easily could have been like five and one but just a couple mistakes here and there and now they're three and three and trying to see if they should rethink everything or blow everything up it it's so weird that that they're three and three because i i just remember not knowing what to do with them in the preseason it's like mm-hmm. i felt like they should be the favorite to win the division and they were right there with the Bengals because I, I don't know. I, I wasn't as down the Bengals as you, but I didn't want to fully buy in. 
But I was like, I don't know what to expect this Ravens team to be. I, I want to err on the side if they're going to be awesome, but mm-hmm. they've had a ton of injuries, but we're now more than a full season removed from the last time they were like a juggernaut, really good team. So just a curious situation uh, to monitor there. All right, Johnny, you ready for some regression candidates? I am ready. Do you want to start on the positive side of things or the negative side of things? Let's let's end on a positive. So let's let's start on the negatives. All right. I think there's two very obvious negative regression candidates right now. And the first one um, that I'm going to start with is in Buffalo, and that's Gabriel Davis, which Gabe Gabriel. I feel like he was Gabriel until this year, and then we, <laughs> and, and then we started going Gabe after he had 200 yards against the Chiefs. And now, like when you t- depending on which like stat website you go to, it's different, which makes searching for him a very frustrating experience. But that's a uh, another topic for another time. Gabe Davis is as explosive as it gets, pretty much in the NFL. Here's the issue, though. He is averaging less than three catches per game. Four of his 14 catches on the season, on the season, 14 catches have been touchdowns. When the, when the big plays aren't there, he will lay an egg. He's done it multiple times. You, you want to say something? Go ahead. No, if he doesn't get a 98 yard or a 60 yard, he's pretty much... Demarcus Robinson a little bit. Uh, I don't want to compare that down, but if he doesn't get the big play or big touchdown, I just feel like he's not worth kind of having on your roster. He's he's definitely very very boomer bust, and even though he's mm-hmm. had two bad weeks, the boom weeks have been so good that he is wide receiver, I believe, fourteen right now. Yeah, but this touchdown rate just will not keep up four four touchdowns on 14 catches that, that that's just not going to happen that that's just not real even through six weeks that that is not something that should be real that was an and, absurd game just to watch like what is happening like just the entire morning slate it was like what is this day and and then obviously even last week against the chiefs he didn't do much but he caught the one down the down the sideline that that was a touchdown near the end of the half yeah just so he's yet to receive more than six targets in a game this season. So it's not even been like he's had one or two games where he's actually got volume, mm-hmm. and then he has other games where he doesn't. He's just not a high-volume guy, which it's more than last year. He's on pace for about 15 to 20 more targets than last season. But I think he needs to carve out more consistent volume to actually – He's not going to finish wide receiver 14 at this rate. And he's probably not going to finish as the wide receiver 22 with this kind of volume. I I think there is some definite regression coming without him picking up more volume in this offense. And I mean, Stefan Diggs is just so, so (laughs) freaking good. Like Dawson Knox is fine. McKinsey is bad, but I think (laughs) I I think Shakir is legit pretty good and Mm -hmm. should carve out a role and actually could be a hindrance to Davis earning much more than just like the deep ball and stuff in this offense, which is still a great role to have. You're, you're going to win weeks uh, yeah. with that role. But I just think there's probably like, if you're just talking regression and talking value rest of season, 
you can probably sell him right now for more than he's worth and get a guy that you feel better about on a weekly basis than than Gabe Davis. Like he's on pace for 83 targets through six weeks. Yeah. Just to give you like a ballpark idea what that would be in relation to last year, McCole Hardman had 83 targets last season for the Chiefs. Odell Beckham Jr. had everything happen with the Browns, missed multiple games in between changing teams, and it took him multiple weeks to really get up to speed and get targets for the Rams. He finished with 83 targets last year as well. K.J. Osborne, 82 targets last season. So, like, these are role players – or Odell, who didn't play that much last year, yep. who are who are at that volume. He has the volume of a role player, and he's converting it at the rate of a of a Tyree Kill, basically, of like something Tyree Kill would do in a in a in seasons past with the Chiefs. And that could be a counter argument for believing in it is that this offense is basically every bit as special, maybe a a hair down if I'm being biased. As all the Chiefs offenses, but he is not as special of a player as Tyreek Hill. I think that's the biggest difference. The lowest amount of targets that anybody had in 2021 that also finished with over 1,000 yards receiving, which if you're going to be a top 15 receiver, you pretty much have to hit 1,000 yards or be Adam Thielen um, (laughs) in the last handful of years. That was Tyler Lockett, and Tyler Lockett was over – over a hundred targets still like 103 targets oh, wow. or something like that. So he, he's still a, a ways off of that. I, I think even if Davis finishes, it's like the wide receiver 25. He's probably, we're going to look back on that and say, it's not really <laughs> reflective of the value because yeah, he is the reason why you won three or four games, but he also probably lost you three or four games too. It's going to be a roller coaster. And I, I just think like, Right now, he is 15th in PPR points per game, like expected points per – or no, 15th in PPR points per game scoring. His expected points per game is 52nd. So wow. he is he is way out producing his expected total points, which, you know, you can expect that a little bit in this offense. But to that extreme, not likely. We, yeah. we need to see more huge volume. variance there. Yes. We, we need to see more volume out of Gabe Davis to truly trust him – as a fantasy asset the rest of the way. And I am good if you want to cash in right now, but this is coming from not the biggest Gabe Davis uh, believer, (laughs) Gabe, Gabriel, whatever, not uh, in the biggest Davis believer in the world. Johnny, any, any thoughts on, on Gabe Davis? No, I, I agree with you. I think he's a good regression candidate just because of all of his boom plays has just, if you ha- if you started him, you there's no chance you're losing that week. Mm-hmm. Like and if on his boom weeks, but on his bust weeks, it's just like could okay, start anyone else in that position. But I'm I'm sure Dalton's probably uh, punching him and punching himself in the leg for not being able to be here for this pod to fight for his boy. But that's neither here or there. You know, I would have put Jalen Hurts as a prop to talk about at the beginning because I think I'm going to be way off on that. But, you know, Dalton's not here. So he yeah. doesn't have say in who we talk about. That's true. He's not here, and some of us are glad for that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this one, this one feels like low-hanging fruit. So I almost didn't put it on. But it only took me about five minutes of actually looking at the statistical oh profile to realize I just had to. I can't not put it on. Tight end three. 
Taysom Hill. I couldn't, oh, I couldn't help. Yeah. This is the regression candidate of all regression candidates. Um, first of all, like, can we stop classifying him as a tight end on these fantasy sites? He's I, so frustrating. And, like, I he's run 15 routes on the season. So, like, he's run a couple routes. So, I guess maybe he's technically a tight end. But this is about the biggest argument I've ever seen in my life for eliminating the tight end position. Taysom Hill is not playing the same position as Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews. And those guys aren't playing the same position as Pat Fryermuth and Tyler Higby and those other. Like these are these are three different positions grouped within one right now, with Taysom Hill like being his own position. So that's a that's a different rant. But obviously, where Taysom Hill is making all of his money is as a rusher. He has one target and one reception for two yards this season. It is all as a runner. He has five rushing touchdowns this season three of which came in one game against the Seahawks. I think those three touchdowns in one game are more than quite a lot of very good running backs, which I think includes the likes of Aaron Jones, who I maybe I'll get to in a minute. Uh, Joe Mixon, maybe I'll get to him in a, in a minute as well. Um, it is just unsustainably good in such an obvious way for Taysom Hill right now. Like, he has 26 carries for 267 yards. Think about that. I'm going I'm to I'm give you this little nugget of trivia, Johnny. The record, the NFL record for yards per carry in a season is currently held by two people. One of them, I mean, obviously, good old Beady Feathers, the 1934 quarterback <laughs> for the Chicago Bears. Okay. Can, can you guess the other one? I'll give you two hints. Number one, he is a quarterback. And number two, the season that he did in is probably one of the most talked about quarterback seasons in NFL history. And it's post 2000. So within Michael our, Vick. our memory, there you go. Nice. Michael Vick, 2006. And that is 8.4 yards per carry. Jeez. Taysom Hill is averaging two more yards per carry than Michael Vick in 2006. And if you don't remember Michael Vick in 2006, just do yourself. And He's averaging he, 10 yards a carry? He's averaging 10.3 yards no a carry right shot. now. <laughs> he's already, like, so this feels a little bit like the Cordero Patterson thing wow. last year that we just never came around to until we finally had to because it kept continuing. <laughs> this could keep continuing to the tune of, yeah, you keep starting Taysom Hill at tight end because what are you going to do? Start, start Zach Ertz, start <laughs> Tyler Higby. Like, both those guys are, like, top eight tight ends, but they're both terrible. Like, they're both slow, old, unathletic. You'll get eight points, and you'll like it if it if it's a decent week for both of those guys. Um, but this is obviously not going to continue for Taysom Hill. He is less than 200 yards away from his career high in rushing yards only three touchdowns away from his career high and rushing touchdowns. This Saints offense is pretty broken right now. Abysmal. I mean, bad. And maybe it's so broken that they have to keep relying on Taysom and he does keep producing to a level of being a starting tight end. But I would have to think NFL teams are start will start to get privy to this a little bit. And also maybe if Michael Thomas comes back and then a lot will be back this week after only missing a game, Landry hasn't played too. maybe more full strength. They, they don't lead into this 
as much, but there's just no way this pace keeps up. You're if you're trading him, you're probably not trading him like one for one for a tight end because you're probably starting him over a lot of tight ends until you're proven wrong right now. But like any position player that you can think about starting, I you, you got to consider that because there's just no way he's averaging two more yards per carry than Michael Vick in 2006. That's absurd. I don't, <laughs> I don't like knowing that. I really, I hate that. It's a, it's a pretty, a pretty upsetting thing. Okay. Two more guys. We're going to end on a positive note, positive regression, two guys who can turn around and, you know, relatively speaking both of these guys and aaron jones and joe Mixon, and i already spoiled them during the taste of hill thing both of these guys are plenty useful for fantasy football right now i'm pulling up uh scoring right now to double check aaron jones but joe Mixon, yeah joe Mixon's rb14 aaron jones rb15 so neither one of them is like killing you right now but it's just not quite what you drafted them for we'll start with aaron jones who we talk about an offense that is struggling right now. I think we knew that with Devontae Adams not being there anymore, they were going to be different. They probably weren't going to be as good and not as explosive. We did not think they were going to be down 27 to 10 and I think lose by that final score or something close to it to the Jets last week. Uh, the Giants, I, I guess it turns out, are pretty good at 5-1. and one but I still don't quite know how the Packers lost to that game. They were at one point, you'll appreciate this. I was out shopping that Sunday morning Mm -hmm. and this was the London game. Obviously they were playing like, like 10 30. I got back to my car and I checked the score and it was halftime. And I was like, "Eh, I'm going to go check and see what the live lines are right now. I went and checked. I thought about betting the Packers thought about betting like the live, over and i was like ah, I, don't, I don't know if the giants are gonna score enough points in the second half to to get to this over excuse me the over is what i was thinking about and i looked and the giants were like i don't want to say a number because it'll be way off of what it was but it was plus a lot wow. to come back and win that game like you could have put ten dollars down and uh paid some bills if you, <laughs> if you want that bet <laughs> put it that way but Jeez. the packers are not looking great right now and aaron jones is suffering because of it he is not a reason why they're not looking good he himself is playing quite well and he's getting the ball he's averaging around 15 touches per game which i think if you looked back throughout his career that's about what it's been he's run the ball pretty well he's near the top of the league in broken tackle percentage he's averaging 3.8 yards after contact he has 11 percent of their target share which is pretty high for a running back and Maybe it's not as high as people like Dalton hoped with no Devontae Adams there. But in general, you take an 11% target share out of your running back, no matter who it is, unless it's like Christian McCaffrey. You're disappointed in that. (laughs) He has two touchdowns this year. They both came in the same game. Week two, I believe, against the Bears. Was it primetime against the Bears? I'd have to go back and double check. But it was week two. He had two touchdowns. He's topped 100 rushing yards twice, been below 53 times. I think he was at 19 yards this last week. He's he's surprisingly yet to have more than three receptions in a game. And yet, I, I just think he's a good enough player. Aaron Rodgers is a good enough player that even with 
like they are quite clearly struggling because they don't have the necessary weapons that they need. They are going to be rumored for every single receiver on the trade market who's a free agent, whatever. I'll believe it when I see it with the Packers because they've just never done that in, in my lifetime before. But like speaking of the prop earlier, Chase Claypool mentioned by ESPN as a potential guy who should go to the Packers in a trade. If that were to happen, you feel a lot better about the offense and <laughs> you're feeling great if you bet the four yep. and a half touchdown prop. But I just think, you know, Christian Watson, he's been banged up. He's still so young. Romeo Dubs, he's young. He's still improving. Lazard is what he is, but he's fine. Tunyon kind of rounding back in the form. Dalton and I talked about that on the waiver show. This was the first week that he was kind of unleashed. He gives them another dimension, another weapon that they really need. And then they've just got to figure out a way to get him and A.J. Dillon more involved and and run the offense more through them. Uh, and I just, it's not going to be tar- top five, I don't think. But I think we're going to be a lot happier with Aaron Jones in three weeks than we are right now. And we'll probably look back and, and think, you know, even though he was RB15 and not a buy low, a buy slightly below his value would have been a great move because he's the RB eight right now and has been on a stretch of three great games or, or something. You know, I, I just think he still has that in because I, I've seen nothing in him as a player that 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 shows me he's not the same as before. And the offense won't be what it once was, but I still think it can improve off of what they are right now. They, I mean, 10 points against the Jets. That, that's just crazy that's bad. how bad they were. No, yeah, I, I completely – you hit on all the points. Like, Aaron Jones hasn't showed me anything that, like, he's not making the right cuts. He's not getting enough enough yardages per carry. But mm-hmm. it's just that offense. It's like, defense is just key on – key in more and that he's just struggling be- because of it. So, hopefully something kind of turns around for Green Bay and Aaron Jones. We haven't really seen I, – I can't pretend I've, like, watched every Packers game carefully. But <laughs> – I have red zone. I see all of the highlight plays like a lot of us do. You know, one of the things that we liked about Aaron Jones coming into the season is that the Packers lined him up out wide and he caught passes down the field quite a bit in years past. You know, we just really haven't seen that yet. So that feels like something that that can be unlocked too. It's just some downfield targets for him because they, they need literally anybody they can throw the ball to downfield. Yeah, I, I don't even know how many times he has lined up out this year, but it doesn't seem like a whole lot if he has had more than three receptions a game this year. If, if he is, it's probably like, you know, like the Chiefs, and I know the Bengals do this all the time, where they line their running back up out wide, and he either motions back in yep. or he just runs like a three-yard curl route. Like that was that was Joe Mixon's bread and butter last year was <laughs> three-yard curl route, never get looked at. And that is the Joe Mixon passing game experience of years past, but not this year, Johnny. And that's why Joe Mixon is a major positive regression. See, at, at first when I was looking at the dog for the rundown and saw regression candidates and just saw those three players, I was like, <laughs> Evan, we are fighting about Joe Mixon today. I was like, there's no shot. You... Uh. For for those who don't know, I just traded Johnny Joe Mixon uh, in in our dynasty league. So I convinced Johnny to make a, make an investment in Mister Mixon. So yes, I can see why you would have been a little bit alarmed that he could have been a negative regression. Yeah, I was like, How dare no, you? No, no, we're we're going the opposite here. 
Uh, now, this isn't to pretend that he has some, like, exotic role in their passing game, but mm-hmm. the passing game stuff is there this year in a way that people have been clamoring for in years past with Mixon. Let, let's just look at the whole, whole profile for Joe Mixon. So I mentioned Gabe Davis way overshooting his projected fantasy points per game per player profile. Mixon is 16th in points per game in PPR, 14th and half, which is what we usually use. But for the sake of this stat, his expected points per game is number one among NFL running backs at 20 points per game, a full four points higher than what he's scoring right now. The underlying numbers for Joe Mixon, they are all there. See, Dalton and I have talked about the Bengals a couple different times needing to marry the run and pass together play have those play off of each other and we talked we talked a couple weeks ago about that that really is one of the biggest issues for Mixon in the running game right now is they know even though they're playing two high safeties all the time against the Bengals Joe Mixon is also always running against a stack box because they run the ball under center all the time Burrow said something interesting after their game the other day. You know, they beat the Saints 30 to 26, not like an incredibly inspiring win because we just talked about the Saints. They're not really very good right now. And they didn't even have Olave or Michael Thomas or Jarvis Landry, I don't believe. But Burrow said that we finally found our identity. And what their identity was, was an extremely pass heavy team that was lining up under shotgun like crazy. Now, it was only eight carries in that game for Mixon, but I, I don't think that that's going to last. I mean, that I, I think probably what you'll see is kind of an intersection of, of those two things to form identity where Mixon is still getting a decent running workload and we'll also get the passing stuff. Why the shotgun stuff is important. They've been running a little bit more out that the last couple of weeks. Mixon is up to 5.6 yards per carry in the last couple of weeks. Things are starting to open up a little bit for him in the rushing attack don't have the numbers for the first four games, but I don't need them. I can, for anybody who watched any Bengals games the first month, he had absolutely nowhere to run. We all know that Thursday night game against the dolphins that we all saw. I think he probably averaged something like two yards per touch because all of his touches were runs where there was no room or Joe Burrow throwing him the ball five yards behind the line of scrimmage with a defender literally right there in his face, which that may still be, a good chunk of his passing game work. But really all that matters for a guy like Mixon is the volume in the passing game because it's going to add points if you're in any kind of league where he gets that. So to give you an idea of how different the passing game stuff is for him this year, he is fifth among running backs and targets, fourth in receptions, ninth in receiving yards, fifth in route participation, and he's been running routes on about 60% of their snaps. Last year, when he was like the RB3, RB4 at season's end, so best year of his career, he had 42 receptions, which he's already only like 18 off of that right now and is on pace to have about 25 to 30 more than that and smash his career high in receptions. That was 16th at the running back position. His route participation was 53%, which is about 7% lower. And he caught a touchdown pass last week where he actually ran like a legitimate route in the red zone over the middle. And he caught the ball 
and and scored a touchdown. And then the running stuff is still there. He has fourth in carries, first in red zone carries, and he only has two total touchdowns on the season. And one of them was in the passing game. He had 16 total touchdowns last season. That was fourth in the NFL. And that, along with the rushing yards, is why he was a top five back last year. Remains to be seen if this offense will be explosive enough to to make him like a truly elite, elite, like RB2, RB3. Like that's kind of what he's getting right now. I'm not sure if he'll quite get there, but I don't see any reason why if this volume continues, he can't basically be as good from a fantasy perspective as he was last year. Just different. It might not be as many touchdowns. It might not be as many yards, but the receiving is, is going to get him there. And I still think Mixon's a, a really good player. He's just had no room to work for the first six weeks. And that's why I traded for him. <laughs> because uh, just having Dobbins and just holding Dobbins for the last two years has just been, just been pain. Not mm-hmm. a whole lot of output out of it or joy. But I, I think you have one week. I think you have one good week. One good week a year and two touchdowns. Yep. JK, and I was like, oh, okay, this is... I don't really want to have a whole lot of stock with the Ravens offense with Lamar Jackson, but I, I love Joe Mixon. Like he, he leads the league with 19 red zone touches, mm-hmm. and players with 15 plus red zone touches averages about 3.3 touchdowns. He only has one, mm-hmm. so it's just like that. Those touchdowns are gonna go up because of how much of a a hold he has in the red zone with getting touches down there with within the offense. It's just like the only reason he is he's like RB 14, 15. Yep. If he had like one or two more, two more touchdowns, he'd be RB eight, I believe. Let me look. I have it pulled up right now. Even if you just gave him literally one more touchdown, he would actually be RB nine. Yeah. And then two more, he'd be he'd be RB eight. Which I mean. It's not like he's just getting red zone. Like he's getting inside the five work. There, there was, I believe, against the Dolphins, he had like either two or three straight carries in inside the five, and they just like, again, not his fault. They just could not bunch it in because there was no push by the offensive line. So, <coughs> well, I mean, there's that, also Samaji Piran being a little vulture, but that that's a <laughs> that's a scenario too. <laughs> that that'll happen on a a very rare occasion, but. Again, kind of like Aaron Jones. He's the RB14, so he has still been helping your team, just not quite like you hoped. But with this profile, this workload profile, like this is a top five season waiting to happen again for Mixon. It just won't look the same as last year if the offense doesn't fully get back on track. But it seems that they're at least finally maybe on the right path. I agree. I I do like how the Bengals' offense is finally using him more in the passing game. So that's definitely helped his numbers and definitely mm-hmm. helped the offense overall. But he he only has like three drops in the last year and a half. So like he can go. catch the ball. He he's not a back that he wasn't being used in the passing game. And it's like, well, he's he's just not good at it. No, like he actually is a pretty skilled pass catcher. And the only reason for them not to use him in that role as often as they are right now, is to preserve him for the playoffs. But I think they should just worry about getting to the playoffs right now. And <laughs> and Nixon is a guy Very that true. can definitely, definitely help with that. Johnny, anything else to add before we jump out of here? Nope, that is all I had. All right, and that is going to do it for Episode 87.
of the Half Point for Podcast. Thank you all so much for listening, for watching on YouTube, however you consume the content. We appreciate you all equally. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Half Point for Pod. Subscribe to the YouTube at Half Point for Podcast. I'm really upset Dalton isn't here because I wanted to talk about this uh, this $28 uh, Taco Bell discussion oh, that, I, I, we'll that I know to, we'll have to holster that apparently like, like like sweeping the nation uh it was last week uh rumor has it that if we get to 50 youtube subs we might be able to convince dalton to do a vlog of him attempting to eat 28 dollars of taco bell so if that's not an incentive i mean i don't i, I don't know what is uh the link to all these things in the show notes uh the show is available anywhere you listen to your pods Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anything else of that ilk. Leave us a five-star review, and we will talk to you again on Monday for a waiver show. And then again next week, I thank all three of us, I hope. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will talk to you very soon.